So welcome to our third event in the Bitsai SVC online series. Uh, thanks for taking the time on you know, Sunday afternoon um, to come join us. My name is Srinivas Australa, uh, 94 batch Pilani, and I'm part of the Bitsai SVC core team. And uh, as the chief content officer, content for our events. And this year, if you have attended some of our earlier ones, we've devised the online series as um, a new event format. And one key reason is convenience, right? So you don't have to take the drive to an event. And of course, the second unforeseen event was the COVID. So you just can't do uh, physical events. So this new event format you know, is a webinar format. We'll bring together experts from our own community, uh, you know, Bits Alumni community, but also from community uh, experts from outside our community to discuss topics of interest for the professional growth of all our members. Uh, so a quick word of housekeeping. We want all of these to be very, very interactive. Um, and so we encourage all of the attendees um, to please ask your questions on Q&A. Um, uh, so, so please do use Q&A. And then uh, as we have the conversation, uh, we will have those questions. Um, we'll have Alex take those questions uh, throughout our discussion today. So which brings me to uh, the topic of today's uh, discussion, right? So uh, we here in Silicon Valley, we have not been immune at all to uh, the COVID pandemic from a job market perspective. Uh, we have seen a lot of furloughs, we have seen a lot of layoffs, um, but also for folks entering the job market, it's been a very, very rough entry. Uh, and so here at Bitsai SVC, uh, we wanted to bring about an event where we can help anyone in the community that was looking for help uh, with their resumes. Uh, <clears throat> I know how it is, you know, usually when you look for a job after a long time, you know, you dust off your old copy and then um, sharpen it. And so today we have with us our um, resident uh, resume expert, you know, Alex Storsky, um, and he will share with us insights on, you know, how to make our resume stand out. Uh, a brief bio on Alex. You know, Alex has been helping clients you know, enhance the way they present themselves through resumes. Uh, and through interviews for over 17 years now uh, as a co-founder of Resume Daily. Uh, it's a partner at Kinetic Arts. It's a New York-based media and marketing consulting company. Uh, he began his career at Scholastic, where he marketed uh, digital content based on best-selling properties like Harry Potter. Uh, Alex is a published author, and uh, he's also a co-author co of uh, Crane's Guide to Writing a Resume. And... Uh, he has degrees in marketing from NYU's uh, Stern School of Business. So welcome, Alex. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Srinivas. I really appreciate the opportunity to present to the BITSA community. Um, uh, as Srinivas said, uh, the Silicon Valley community and the technology industry is certainly not immune to the COVID-19 uh, repercussions, but, but uh, as, as many uh as many uh veterans of uh other trials and tribulations in the career uh space can attest to including the recent uh relatively recent uh global financial crisis in 2008 in times of chaos and confusion there's also opportunity and uh that while there are many companies who are furloughing and and uh, reducing workforce there are also companies who are who are changing the way they hire and changing the way they they staff their their industries and their and their operations and so there are always opportunities even in times of crisis and so we have to be prepared for them and 
in the career space, uh, when you're looking to uh, shape your career strategy, the key foundation to that is a resume. Uh, a resume is still, it's almost, uh, it, it's almost a, a, an antiquated, some might say, because we've all gone digital, but, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more in, in the, as the presentation goes on about what today's digital resumes represent, which is really largely a function of uh, having a strong LinkedIn profile. But, um, but I think that it's very important to understand that a resume is still your key piece of ammunition in in your hunt for advancement in a career or establishing a career and so it's really important to understand how to make yourself stand out and so with this presentation my goal is to deconstruct the resume and help you understand what the key building blocks are of a strong resume that you can then implement in your own respective cases to give yourself as much of an edge as possible in an already complicated job market. Uh, but these building blocks are, are uh, irrespective of the job market because the building blocks don't change. It's a formula of success to keep yourself uh, relevant and vital that you need to keep in mind no matter what the job market is, but especially in a challenging one. So, Without further ado, I want to get right into it, and and as Srinivas said, we'll take your questions throughout, so that so that uh, I want to make sure that you walk away with as much information as possible, and, and the the information be as helpful as possible to you in your own effort to uh, position yourself in the job market. So, at our uh, looking at. Um, the key information that, that pertains to a strong resume, we have to first understand what is a resume's purpose, right? So resume's purpose, uh, you might think that it's pretty self-evident, but it's obviously to introduce you to someone new and the someone new is a new job opportunity, is a new potential path for career advance, advancement. It could be internal as well. It's not necessarily just for job opportunities that are outside of your uh, present sphere. It could be for advancement within your current role. But the key role of a resume, and I think a lot of people overlook this, a resume is a marketing document. It's not a, it, it, it's, many of you come from, um, many of you were educated in India and, and uh, in India, a CV is a, is a more, is a more uh, familiar form of career presentation. In the US, um, as, as I'm sure all of you know, a resume is very different from a CV. And, uh, and in the sense that a CV is more of a, of a comprehensive assessment of everything you've done in your life to date. Um, and, and it's much more comprehensive than a resume. But a resume is a marketing tool which has to zero in on your most relevant accomplishments. And there are many, um, many resumes that I see, and I've seen thousands of resumes, but there are many resumes that I see that don't really um, succeed in, in extracting as many accomplishments as possible. And, and I'm gonna show you how to do that in, as part of this workshop. The other true purpose of a resume is to get an interview. That's the sole purpose of a resume. Your, your resume, and I'm speaking, of course, you can use a resume for networking opportunities and other things that are not specifically related to getting a job. Uh, they, they could be, uh, you, you may need a resume if you wanted to apply for a position for some sort of volunteer role, a BITSA, for example. But, um, but, but the core purpose of a resume in, in broad terms is to get yourself an interview. And that's why accomplishments and presenting accomplishments is so important. And the other thing that the resume does is it shapes the conversation at the 
interview because when you're sitting there across from your interviewer, that person is going to be referring to your resume as the roadmap for discussion. So the more focus you put on on just the essential information, and, and in my view, the essential information all centers on accomplishments, the better you will find yourself being able to interview because as a roadmap for that interview the more accomplishments you thread throughout that resume the more um, the positive ammunition you're giving your interviewer to actually boomerang back at you so that you actually can can without directly doing so uh, flaunt your own accomplishments and achievements uh, as, a, as a career professional now when you think about um, when you think about a resume, uh, there are um, there are there are three there are there are several ways that you can say things in a resume. There there as you, as the old expression goes, there are many ways to say a cat. So when you think about a resume, it's how you say things matters. So for example, if I were to put this resume workshop on my resume, I could um, I could say what I did in this workshop in several different ways. For example, if you look at the first bullet, I could say that I leveraged my 20 plus years of resume writing and counseling experience to develop and deliver this workshop to bits of members. That's one way to say it. A second way to say it, which is far less informative, is that I created PowerPoint slides to train professionals in the tech industry. And a third way to say it is I researched best practices for writing a resume. Now, you see the difference between these three. The first bullet point is by far the most the most specific and the most comprehensive in terms of the information it conveys, whereas the others are far less shaped and far less sculpted, and they present far less relevant detail. So the, this is just a just a an appetizer, and I'll get deeper into this as we go on. But I want you to understand that it's not about length. It's not about making your resume dense. It's not about filling it with too many words to show that you can occupy two full pages because you have because you feel page count is a measure of experience. It's about delivering the relevant information and key metrics. Sometimes they're qualitative, sometimes they're quantitative, but the but it's very important to be able to shape the content and weave in those metrics so that if the first bullet, all three of these bullets essentially describe what I'm doing at this resume writing workshop, but the first bullet gives you a lot more information about me. It tells you that I have over 20 years of resume writing and counseling experience, and it tells you that I'm delivering this workshop to some members. These are all key pieces of information that if I were putting this workshop on my resume, I would want to convey as succinctly as possible. The other two bullets don't succeed in doing that. So now, what makes a resume effective? Obviously, the resume has to be powerfully and, profession and professionally written. It has to be compelling. It doesn't have to use a lot of words, but it has to use powerful, active verbs to show that you make a difference in the role that you serve. And it has to be well-written in the sense that it has to be compelling in its language, but it also, it also has to be free from errors. It has to be, it, it, it can't be full of cliches. It can't be full of uh, little typos or mistakes because you're being assessed on that, whether you realize it or not, you're being assessed on the, not just the aesthetics of the resume or the composition of the resume, but on little things like the grammar and the, and the structure. Uh, also, the relevance of the content has to be, it has to mean something to your target audience. For example, in the previous uh, slide where I talked to you about how I could put this workshop on my resume, the relevance of the content to the target audience, you are the target audience, Bits is the target audience. So I needed to make that bullet point 
relevant to you. And that's why, uh, I, that's why it's, it was key to put in who I was delivering the workshop to. Making content too vague or too general without relevance to your specific targets is also ill-advised. Um, and this, the next point about effectiveness of a resume is probably the most important thing that I'll be telling you today. And I'm going to be repeating myself perhaps uh, uh, intentionally, but, but it's only to drive the point home. Results matter. Whenever you can, whenever you can showcase something you've done in the form of the impact it made, the 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 results that it delivered, the positive effect it had on on the specific task you were assigned, it's much better to use the results to tell the story than to simply tell the story narratively or or less effectively if you were if you were simply describing what you did. So this old adage of show me, don't tell me applies. When you read through your resume, you have to ask yourself that question. Does this bullet point show the reader what I've done, or is it just telling them what I've done without backing it up with, with some measure of success, even if it's a qualitative measure? It doesn't always have to be quantitative, quantitative, and I'll go into that in a moment. And the last thing that's very important to remember is make sure the formatting is accessible. Um, you don't have to overly design your resumes. They don't have to be works of art. They're, none of us are Michelangelo. But the, but the important thing is that the formatting present a logical structure and flow of information and that the formatting doesn't get in the way of the information itself. And I'm going to show you at the end an example of a resume that I created that I believe is well formatted while still having an attractive aesthetic. And, and I think that you don't have to necessarily copy what I but you have to keep in mind the, the, uh, the bigger picture that formatting should enhance the information. It shouldn't get in the way of the information. And, and one last thing about formatting is that, that I would strongly urge all of you not to uh, use templates that are available on Microsoft Word. Try to, I, I'm not suggesting that you have to create a work of art yourselves in designing a resume. None of us are designers. But, um, but Microsoft Word templates look like Microsoft Word templates. And, and when an, imagine that a hiring manager gets a lot of resumes and they see the resumes that stand out a little bit aesthetically, that have their own character. Uh, versus resumes that are clearly drawn from a, an array of templates, you're going to see you're going to see the, the template-driven resumes not necessarily excluded, but but they're going to have a they're going to have the hallmark of a template. So I would stay away from templates if possible. So what are the must-have sections of a resume? These sections are key. Obviously, your name and contact info, and we'll we'll go into how to present that in a moment because there are there are some tricks of the trade about how to make that presentation more effective. But one of the most important resume has to have is a powerful summary. The summary is the highlight reel for your experience. Imagine a movie. When you, uh, I know these days, none of us are going to movies very much, but if you think back a few months, and when you go to the movies, you see a trailer, uh, a preview for upcoming attractions, right? And that trailer captures the highlights of the film in two or three minutes. And that trailer makes you want to see the movie. That's what your summary has to do. Your summary can't be generically written. It has to make the reader want to read more. So it has to be full of rich, accomplishment-driven information that span your entire career. And I'm going to talk in a moment about how to, how to create a powerful summary. But the, the summary is a very key piece of information because if you don't hook the reader, they're, they're going to be less excited about reading on. And, and you want them to get to the next key section, which is your experience. 
Your experience is the meat of the resume. And again, I can't emphasize enough that you want to in infuse each of your job list things, each of your role descriptions with, with accomplishment-driven details. You want to be able to actually separate your accomplishments from your key responsibilities. And I'll show you how to do that in a moment. But the key thing is to the experience ring with accomplishment. And, um, and, and so that makes experience a key section. Obviously, your education, because you need to show what academic training you're bringing to your role, and your relevant skills. When I say skills, I prefer to create skills or, or I prefer to present skills as a, as a basket of core competencies. This actually addresses keywording in the resume. We're going to have a separate discussion about that in a few minutes, but keywording is important and you can actually accomplish that quite effectively by having a section that just collects your relevant skills rather than worrying about peppering your resume content itself, like your experience and your summary with specific keywords, because then your resume sounds very stilted in the way it's written. So relevant skills or having a specific section for your skills is a good way to capture a basket of keywords in the resume without overloading the other content of the resume with, with intentional keywording. So uh, I think I'm going to pause here to see if there are any questions. There's, there's one from uh, Nishant. He asks, is it fair to say then that a resume is a subset of the CV that you tailor for a specific position you're applying for? So um, that's a great point. I mean, you keep a source document like a CV, and then for every job you apply, uh, do you take a subset and tailor it? That's a great question, Ashant. Um, I want to I want to answer it in two parts. Number one, um, I strongly advise all of you not to. I am not a fan. I am not an advocate of tailoring a resume for each position. The more you tinker with your resume, the more you're likely to to dilute it introduce mistakes into it or to perhaps omit something that you shouldn't be omitting. Plus, it's extremely time consuming, extremely time consuming. The, the rule of thumb that I want to share with you is if you have a strong resume, obviously, what, depending on whatever your functional role is, let's say you're a software engineer, let's say you are a, a technology marketer, let's say you are a tech business development person, whatever your role may be, right, it's assumed that that for your role, you craft a strong resume that's that's targeted to the the future positions that you want to attain. Now, as a software engineer, you're not likely not going to be applying for business development roles. Maybe if you're looking to switch careers or switch career paths, but you're generally going to be swimming in the stream of software engineering. So, assuming you have a strong base resume for software engineering. The, the way to tailor your resume for different positions is the cover letter. The cover letter is your opportunity to, to laser focus on the needs of the company that you're applying to and the needs of the position that you're, that you're presenting yourself for. And that's the document that you should be customizing. If you customize the resume for each position, you're going to find that you're going to be spending a lot of time uh, on customization, and that's going to diminish the amount of time you have to apply for uh, a, a greater quantity of roles. And and we could talk more about the important, this is less of a resume thing, but more of a career strategy thing. It's all about volume. The more jobs you apply to, the, the higher your um, probability of success, because given that the response rates, assuming you're applying to a position cold, are somewhat low, Right. Even even if you have a great resume, if you're applying blind 
to a position off of a LinkedIn posting, assuming you don't know anyone at the company, uh, if you're getting a five to 10% response rate to all of the blind applications you send out, that's exceptionally good exceptionally good with and that's assuming you have a really solid resume so if you if you were so it's a volume game you want to be able to apply to 100 positions to be able to get five interview calls right so if if you're customizing your resume for 100 positions uh you you might be you might be spending quite a bit of your free time on that and it may not be the most effective um, so, in terms of using your CV as a base document, again, I would I would advise against that. Your resume is a marketing tool, and you should craft the strongest resume possible and keep updating it as you advance in your career. I wouldn't use the CV as a as sort of a uh, a catch-all for or a, a locker for all of the career information that you pluck from in order to jerry-rig a customized resume. I would simply create the strongest possible. Uh, resume that you can and and put the CV aside in the archive because a resume has a very specific focus. It's to market you. It's not necessarily to present every single thing you've ever done since you graduated from high school, uh, which which a CV that, does. Yeah, hopefully that uh, answered Nishan's question. So there's a follow on. Um, you said CV. Uh, so you said cover letter, uh, Alex. You know, in today's world, most uh, introductions happen through messaging tools, be it LinkedIn or whatever else. Uh, Sanfant asks, is our introduction then a form of a cover letter? Like there is not really many a time a cover letter. Uh, so is what you write in that LinkedIn message a cover letter? Absolutely. Now, a cover letter, a cover letter, uh, of course, in the, in, in the, you know, in more traditional days, a cover letter would accompany every resume. Uh, in in the digital world, when most of us are either being introduced to a position via LinkedIn or we're applying digitally to a role, although some roles still do actually ask for a cover letter, uh, you know, you would you would you would upload it digitally, but it would still a cover letter. But but if you're being introduced to a role via LinkedIn, you know what the role is and you know the company, right? So you you would craft an introductory note to the person you're being introduced to and and introduce why you're reaching out to them, introduce a little bit about yourself, a little bit of a, of a encapsulation, which is actually a, re, a rewriting of your summary. If your summary is really strong, in order to introduce yourself in a few sentences, all you need to do is modify that summary to, be, to put it into your cover note. And then, you would, and then you would say why you think you're a great fit for role X at company Y. And uh, and then you would uh, and then you would close by saying you look forward to discussing this further with uh, whoever you're being introduced to. So in a way, the introductory note it doesn't have to be long, mind you. We're talking about uh, we're talking about two short paragraphs. Um, uh, it doesn't have to be long, but it has to be targeted and it has to be customized to the to the opportunity. Whereas the resume should not be tinkered with unless you're updating it after a period of time. Great. Um... Comment, um, Alex. You mentioned formatting, right? Um, by formatting, let's expand that to also styling. <clears throat> you said earlier uh, we're all not Michelangelo's, uh, but we do understand that uh, you know the reader uh, is usually uh, a human on the other side. But more and more, we're seeing resumes being processed automatically, right? Uh, because just the volume of resumes coming in so large, people rely on tools. Um, so, what is your um, take on Leveraging uh, tools that create a format that makes it amenable 
to be picked up by programmatic searches on the hiring side? Uh, and how much attention should we give to like the visual uh, design? Great question. So uh, again, I'll answer that with two with two takeaways. One is that uh, when I say your formatting shouldn't stand in the way of your content, um, it's important not to overly design resumes. If, for example, if you created a resume that wasn't that that at its core wasn't text. It, it it was some you had design elements in it you it could be it could be some people go way way to the extreme and and design their resume as an illustrator or or another creative tool then you are running the risk that some key verbiage is not going to be picked up by those tracking systems and so uh, if your resume is a word document it could have some design elements you know it could have uh underlining it could have it could have line ruling it could have uh, a neat attractive structure and and uh indented bullet points th things that i'll show you in the in the sample that i've created at the end but um but it but it shouldn't be overly designed in the sense that there should be no design element that stands in the way of those tracking systems potentially picking up your content um so if you if you have a word document you're not going to run into that trouble um, now, of course, in some cases, you're going to be uploading uploading the resume to LinkedIn, let's say, to a, to a LinkedIn job application mechanism, and then you could upload it as a PDF. I, I would highly recommend that people send resumes out as PDFs, but then whatever formatting you have is not going to be altered by um, by uh, the receiver. It, the receiver could have different settings on their on their computer. So your your font may not be on their computer, and therefore, if you don't send it as a PDF, it may not be picked up. But PDFs can also be scanned. So PDFs are scannable documents. So if if the organization is using a tracking system, then um, a PDF will be will be perfectly scannable by it. Secondly, uh, the the Creating a core competency section where you where you assemble your basket of most relevant skills, right? Let's say let's say you're a programmer, uh, and let's say you you're an expert at Python, and let's say you are um, uh, you you know how to develop uh, software uh, software development workflows. Let's say you know how to, uh, or let's say you you do technology project management and you and you're a scrum master, or you, or you know how to do uh, or you know how to do sprints or or lean uh, six sigma lean things like that. So so those things those skills can be put in a core competency section, literally, just as a list. Uh, and I'll show you how in a moment uh, when I at the end when I when I get to the sample, those could be put in the core competency section, and those skills are going to be picked up by the um, tracking system. And this is the one section of the resume that I would suggest you could modify for specific jobs. So if you see the job is calling for specific skills, let's say let's say they're looking for a Python expert, right? So if you don't have that in your core competencies, but you happen to be a Python expert, you should definitely put Python expert in your core competencies to make sure that if the if the resume is being scanned programmatically, that that is going to be picked up because that's going to raise you in the hierarchy of potential candidates if if the keyword is is relevant to the job description. Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Sure. So I will continue on by talking about the must-have sections in a resume. So name and contact info, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the things that I mentioned earlier. So obviously just list 
one phone number or a lot of folks list multiple phone numbers. I know most of us don't have landlines anymore. Some people have multiple cell phones. Just list one phone number where you're reachable. Now, I get the question a lot. Do you need a physical address, especially since a physical address may may prejudge your ability to commute or you may commute that far from home, or you may want to work remotely and you don't want to uh, bias yourself or you don't want to be, uh, you don't want the employer to be biased against you if they perceive that you might be uh, geographically inconvenient, uh, especially if you're looking for remote jobs, which where geography shouldn't matter. So uh, you do not need to list a physical address on your resume. Uh, now, some, some people don't list an address at all. They just list their email and their phone number. Uh, in in cases where you for a job in a certain geographical area, let's say you're in the Bay Area, you could literally write the San Francisco Bay Area uh, as your address, or you could write the uh, or the San Jose Greater Metropolitan Area, or you can you can basically create a specific uh, catch-all put in your address uh, in place of your address, but you do not need to list a physical address these days. And another key point is to list a professional email address. So, for example, Jane Smith, uh, jane.smith at gmail.com or jane.smith at bitsa.org. These are professional emails, your first and last name at gmail or do not list your work, your present work address on an uh, email address on a resume. If you're looking for a job and let's say you work at Facebook right now, don't list your Facebook address as your contact address. That's bad form. So list a personal email, but one that's professionally constructed, not one like this. So I think it's very, very important to just keep it very professional and, and very simple if possible. Now, we talked about a powerful summary, and I want to give you a, a different way to imagine what your summary is. A summary is not just a place to throw in a bunch of keywords. A summary is an elevator pitch. So now imagine you're in front of somebody who is hiring for a position that you, that you crave, you, and you have 20 or 30 seconds to make an impression on that person. You would deliver your elevator pitch, and in your elevator pitch, what are the what are the key things that you would tell that person in a very limited span of time, just 20 seconds? What would you want that person to walk away with to excite them about potentially sitting down with you further? So the key things to break it down are a targeted headline. You have to explain what it is you do, right? You have to you have to you have to just break it down in one sentence. For example. You could say that um, you're a senior level software engineer with over 10 years of Python coding experience. That's a headline, right? It, it tells you your, your functional role, the years of experience you have, and a, a specific expertise that you might bring to the table. You want that summary to start with a targeted headline. You also want that summary to include three key selling points. And I say that, and I use the number very, very um, intentionally. You don't want a summary to occupy half of the first page. You don't want a summary. I've seen resumes where the summary is the entire first page. That is, particularly on CVs actually, that's not what you want to do on a resume. A summary has to be a headline and three key selling points. And those key selling points have to emphasize success metrics. So for example, if you're a technology project manager, and you have uh, led more than uh, 20 software launches, or you've, you've, you've been an integral member of, of teams that have created uh, 10 successful cloud applications. Whatever the case may be, you want to emphasize those key metrics, and those span your career. They don't just have to pertain to current job. If you've been involved in, let's say, 
uh, platform launches throughout your career, maybe several at your current role, a bunch at your previous role, and on and so forth, you can you can uh, aggregate those and 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 sort of rope them together as one of your key selling points in a summary. So make sure that you don't overload the summary and just keep it to three key selling points. So I want to show you what I mean by this in practice, right? Now you're going to have to do a little bit of reading on the screen uh, to, to get what, or, or I'll read it to you just to make sure that it comes through. But this is a before statement, right? Now this is actually drawn from a, from a real resume. This is this is actually drawn from uh, a, a resume um, that uh, that's from your community. Obviously, I, I won't tell you who, um, but uh, it's a, it's innovative business development and sales leader with over 15 years of experience in launching renewable energy and energy IoT solutions and developing new markets. Highly experienced in leading and managing business development sales, business development sales, regulatory policy, strategic marketing, product management, and software development for distributed energy ventures. Proven track record of developing strategic partnerships, business models, and sales channels to accelerate market reach and solution adoption. Bring collaborative and entrepreneurial spirit to all endeavors. So this is the before. So what's wrong with this? Well, it's not bad. It's not bad, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what what it doesn't have first of all it's very dense it's stuffed with keywords this is not the place to put keywords as we discussed the core competencies or relevant skill section is the basket for keywords not your summary because summary is the most valuable real estate on a resume it's the very top so you want to make sure that you that you avail of its prime location secondly this doesn't really talk about any success metrics it doesn't, you know, I, I know that this person has 15 years of experience in launching renewable energy and energy IoT solutions. That's great. That's a good piece of information. But I also, but I don't know how successful they've been. I really don't know what, what they've done in practice. I, I, I just know that they have experience in a lot of different, uh, uh, with a lot of different buzzwords, but I really don't know what impact they've made. And thirdly, as you could see, the the um, uh, grammatically the resume changes uh, uh, style and 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 use at the very end. Before it was written passively in the third person, and now it's written actively uh, with the with the uh, with the last sentence. Bring collaborative and entrepreneurial spirit to all endeavor. That creates a little bit of dissonance. You want to keep consistent third person. Um, usage, grammatical usage in a resume. So that's another point. But how would I do this? How would I do this summary differently? So this is how I would do it differently. As you could see, I, I, I have a very clear headline, senior level sales and business development leader. And I follow, in this case, I used four bullet points. I broke my own rule, but I just did to illustrate the point. Um, 15 plus years experience launching dozens of renewable energy and energy IoT solutions. So I've given it a number. So I've given it a scale. Cultivated 10 plus new markets globally with collective revenue impact of over $200 million. So again, instead of just saying developing new markets, I specified how many new markets this person has opened and how the, the person has impacted revenue. Very important. These are measures of accomplishment. I've also included the fact that this person has led successful business development teams of up to 20. This person wants to, wants to find a business development role. So if they want a leadership role, then they need to show that they have evidence of leadership. Now, this person mentioned that they've developed strategic partnerships in their previous summary, but they didn't mention how many or whom with. So for example, 
in in my reimagining of their summary, I've put in I've given a number to the, to the strategic partnerships that they've developed. And I've also selectively um, integrated some some recognizable names because these names will make a difference to the reader it, depending on the industry. So if you could see the difference between the before and after, I think that um, I, I think I, I, I'm sure you can see the difference. But the difference is primarily. It, surrounding the the level of specificity and impact that you weave in and simplifying the summary so that it makes a more powerful collective impact instead of being too dense and keyword stuffed so that a person after reading it still doesn't walk away with all the key information that they would want. So I'm going to pause here to see if there are any questions. Um, I, I have a question. So. Um... Alex, since most of us from uh, Bitsa community uh, are largely, you know, immigrants, um, work authorization is a huge, uh, you know, the huge thing when we look for employment. Where, where does it find place? Uh, does it find place in summary saying I have such and such work authorization or I, I need such and such sponsorship? Excellent question. Um, I think there are a couple of places um, now. Uh, I'd like to clarify the question, Srinivas. Is it a person who needs work authorization or a person who wants to advertise the fact that they already have it? Like, for both example, they might be a green card holder. Both, in fact. So those that uh, have uh, do not require sponsorship, they would like to advertise it. That increases, uh, you know, the application, uh, the positions that they're eligible for. And on the other hand, uh, those that need, you know, how do they state it? Because is that a liability? Great question. So I would I would let's take let's take the case of the person who already has work authorization. So there are a couple of places where you can put it in the resume. Um, I would you could put it in that relevant. I, I know that the section is called core competencies, but it's perfectly legitimate with that, that basket of skills that we talked about, where, which where you would uh, selectively insert keywords that might be relevant to the position. It's perfectly legitimate to weave in there that you are you know, you have US work authorization or you're, you're a green card holder or permanent resident. That's perfectly legitimate to weave it in there. I, I, would, I wouldn't put it in the summary because I think if you put it in the summary, uh, it's an important fact to note, but it's not as important as some of the wins and accomplishments that, um, that, you've, that you're, that you're uh, compelled or, or you should be compelled to present in a summary. So because, because having work authorization is something that, that would relieve the reader uh, potentially or make them, make them more at ease about considering this candidate because they don't have to go through the rigmarole of, of, of obtaining authorization for a qualified candidate. But, it could, uh, but it's not necessarily a huge selling point. Uh, your accomplishments and your skills are your selling point. So, uh, so put it in the core competency section. You could also put it in your cover note. Uh, but I would put it as a as a tangential thing. Yeah, like for example, in the very last paragraph, you or 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 in the penultimate paragraph of your of your cover note, uh, after you've already pitched yourself, pitched your rewritten summary, pitched your key um qualifications for the role in question uh as a footnote saying um where, where you sign off and you're saying it uh, i look forward to hearing from you and incidentally uh i'm fully authorized to work in the united states as a u.s green card holder something like that i would make it a footnote rather than a prominent argument now in the case of somebody who is not 
uh, a green card holder. Maybe they're on an OPT visa. You know, they've just finished their their graduate studies, and now they have a year or two to to get work experience in the U.S. and and they're worried about being hired because because they may need to be sponsored after, or it's somebody who um, somebody who uh, is is doesn't have the proper authorization because they're 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 nearing the end of their previous um, uh, OPT, for example, uh, or whatever the case. Somebody who is concerned about their their authorization to work, I wouldn't I wouldn't publicize that fact. My advice is make yourself desirable for the role. Once you get the interview, remember the key goal of the resume is to get your foot in the door. Get that interview. And, and if you impress the employer with what you can bring to the table and how, how perfectly suited you are the role they're hiring for, then you're giving them enough reason to consider going to the effort of getting you work authorization. If you're bringing it up before they've ever met you, you're giving them reason to move on to the next candidate. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, thank you for that. So a few more questions that came in. So there's a question from uh, Bhargavi Ranganathan. Uh, she asks, um, how do you highlight soft skills? Like you may have things like stakeholder management, supporting senior executives, you know, how does that show up in a summary? It does not. It goes in the core competencies or relevant skills section. And, I'll, and I'll, again, I'll illustrate that at the end of this uh, presentation so you could see how it all fits together. But no, the soft skills do not go in a summary unless they have a metric of success attached to it. For example, if you supported senior management, uh, l l let me just make up an example with that with that um, with that little bullet point. Uh, if if you have a soft skill of supporting C level executives, uh, my question would be: How do you support them? Do you strategically support them, or are you doing admin work? So if you strategically support them, and and it's it's a big part of your job, you could say that you have strategically supported C level executives on on. Uh, successfully orchestrating more than um, 10 different uh, strategic partnerships. I'm just making that up, of course, but but you have to illustrate the how, not just the soft skill. You have to connect yeah. the dots between between what you do and the impact that it has. So that's, that's how it would work itself into a summary, but if it's just a soft skill, you could certainly put it in the relevant skill section or core competency section. Thank you for that. So there's another from Ankush Bagotra. Uh, he asks, if you have an entrepreneur experience and you're applying for a leadership position, how that and how do you position that in a summary? Great question. Um, a, a lot of people are afraid to showcase their entrepreneurial experience because they're concerned that the employer might think that this, that applying for is merely just a interlude between startups that that you want to work that you that you are involved in or it's just a temporary way station and i understand why that concern would exist i have a different view entrepreneurial experience is real experience it shows that you have drive and and energy and commitment and and creativity and and endurance and these are things that any employer wants especially if you've been a successful entrepreneur like you were able to get an adventure off the ground there's some sort of um positive outcome that the venture achieved so you can certainly put that in a summary as an ex as one example of your success for example if you launched a startup and and uh, built the company to a successful exit three years later that's a bullet point that could go into your summary you, 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 for example, launched a successful uh, SaaS startup uh, and 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 grew the business, uh, grew year over year revenue by 300% on average, and and achieved successful. Ex 
three years. That's an example of something that could go into a summary. Nice. Um, I know we are uh, running short on time, but I do want uh, to bring in these questions. So what I'll do, Alex, is um, I will read out a bunch of questions. Perhaps you can weave your responses uh, to all of them because they all seem to be about the summary section. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I think Sriram asks, Alex said he broke his rule. I missed the rule. What, what, what was it? Uh, the rule was somebody should have three bullets. And so Alex had used four not three that, that's what he was uh, referring to um, yeah four, four you could use four it's it's i mean three or four is fine i three is not a hard rule just don't make it 10 bullets right and sham asks um i was under the impression from uh another resume workshop that's not a good idea to put bullets in a summary uh, how common is putting bullets in a summary um and then maybe i'll read out uh, one or two other questions as well so you can compound them uh, what sort of summary is suitable for a recent grad with less quantifiable impact? Uh, and then this last one about how do you call out extracurricular activities? Um, I'm sure, yeah, I guess the answer, you already answered that. You said summary should really only be quantifiable stuff. So as long as the extracurricular activities like volunteering and hobbies are quantifiable, they can go in a summary. Uh, but maybe give me a or give us your impressions about the bullets as well as the recent grads. I'll give you a quick. I'll give you a, a quick unified answer to all of them. So bullets in a summary. Nothing wrong with bullets in a summary. I, I don't know why somebody would say that. Uh, nothing wrong with it at all. Um, secondly, recent grads. Uh, you you may have to pluck examples of success from your academic experience, or maybe you had some internships where you had an impact. There's always an impact. If you if you um, if you were if you just received a degree uh, from an impressive institution, or or you have some academic success like you graduated cum laude those are all things that are that are if in a recent grad that are perfectly summary worthy uh, and in terms of extracurriculars I unless you had uh, unless you were a very recent grad and you have very little work experience uh, but uh, you have some extensive extracurricular experience where you had leadership experience. Maybe you were the president of a of a programming society at your at your university. Um, then then that could go into a summary. But I, I would say it should only do that if you really have nothing more more relevant to to uh, utilize. Cool, um, Alex. I'll let you continue. Sure. So okay. I'll, I'll mindful of the time. So I'll make sure that. Um, we we stay on track. So again, uh, the key another key section of your resume is your experience. We've talked about this before. Focus on your accomplishments. Don't just list what you do. Show the impact that it has. In fact, uh, uh, your your job listing should be separated between key responsibilities and key accomplishments. Those should be those should be delineated from each other. And I'll show you how to do that in a moment. Use data to express results, KPIs, metrics, metrics of success. This is the lingua franca of good resumes. Uh, the less you can describe something in words and the more you can let numbers or impacts to talking, the better. And the DAO, the DAO of resumes is task, action, outcome. What was the task you, you were assigned to do? What did you, what did you, what action did you take to achieve that task? What was the positive outcome? This is how you should think about structuring your bullet points. Uh, because this allows you to to present a flow that will be very easy to understand to a reader, and that will, uh, but also that will end on the right note, which is the the positive outcome. 
So now I'm going to give you some examples of this in, in, in action. So Santa Claus, we all know who Santa Claus is. If Santa Claus was writing his, uh, his own resume, uh, he could write just responsible for increasing gift distribution. That's not a great way to do it. A better way to do it is increased uh, sorry about the typo there. <laughs> you see, I caught my own typo. Increased holiday gift distribution 50% over a one-year period by successfully hiring, training, and managing a team of eight tiny reindeer, et cetera, et cetera. Do you, you see the difference between these two bullets? One shows impact. The other is just a, a very, very basic rendering of someone's responsibilities. But to make it more specific to you, uh, uh, let, let's let's put let's put the uh, the technology hat on for a minute. So this is a snippet from a person's resume who um, who works in a mid-level business development role at an energy tech company, right? So the before bullet is created market entry strategy to penetrate commercial and utility segments. Okay, it's it's pretty clear. It says something. It it, it talks about the segments the person was responsible for. But what if we did it this way? architected the entire go-to-market strategy to penetrate the commercial and utility sectors, representing a $100 million marketing opportunity, grew sales from zero to over 10, $10 million annually through strategic capture of more than 10 key accounts. That says a lot more. It, 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 there's, there are three key metrics of success. The total market opportunity of those sectors, the sales growth that this person helped engineer, and the number of key accounts they helped capture. These three key things are all relevant to the person's desire to obtain a more senior level business development role in energy, in renewable energy. So you can you could see the difference. Note, note the significant increase in relevant measurable detail between the before and after samples. So now another example. This other example is a person who's a lead research scientist at a major technology company. So one of the bullets pulled directly from their resume. And again, these people are all BITSA members, but, but uh, so that their experience is relevant to yours. Uh, this person's bullet said, head and technical for all the conversational AI, NLP, and multimodal projects. Okay, again, very basic, very clear, and very simple, but it's missing a level of detail. Now, if this person instead said, oversee and serve as technical lead for all Next Horizon projects, including conversational AI, NLP, and multimodal, comprising more than 50 active initiatives with a market potential of over $1 billion. So that adds key details, the number of active projects the person is involved with, which provides scope, and the market opportunity that these projects represent, which gives a sense of how important this person's role is because of the potential revenue impact that his or her projects have. So, so uh, this is something very critical to keep in mind. And you're able to see the difference that adding more information, more relevant information and metrics of success or metrics of market size or scope really enhances the same, presenting the same content. Here's one final example. This person is a senior software engineer at a major tech company. Now, in this case, the person says too much in the bullet. They, as you could read here, developed next generation execution framework for feature extraction and extracted highly impactful features to support travel ticketing and restaurant customers. That's a lot of words. And there's also two separate ideas being presented in this bullet that are separated by the word and. So it's, 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 it's extremely complicated. We need to whittle it down and make it even more accomplishment focused. And this is the way we do it. 
created a first ever platform, uh, a first ever platform execution framework using Java to successfully extract 12 key features critical to more than 100 platform clients. So in this, in this reimagining of the person's bullet, it makes it a, a lot more specific, it makes it a lot more quantifiable, and, and it provides a scope for the impact that the person's work has had, and it's not as densely worded. So I'm going to pause here to see if there are any questions. Yes, Alex, there are a couple, so um, let's go through them. Um, there's an anonymous question. This, uh, it asks, if someone has worked for an organization for over eight plus years and evolved through various roles, um, engineer to tech lead to engineering manager to senior manager and so on, how best do you capture this uh, if you have made an impact at every functional role? Okay, great. And it and it and uh, you're going to allow me to to uh, talk about something that I was going to talk about anyway. So the most uh, think of your resume as a piece of real estate. The most valuable real estate is is the first page, and towards the top of the first page. So your summary and your your last couple of roles, your present role, and let's say your previous role, your previous couple of roles. That's the most valuable real estate, and and also it represents the most the the latest and the most senior level experience you have going reverse in reverse chronological order so you want to you want to devote more time and effort and energy in presenting the information in the in the present role and let's say the previous one or two roles and as you go backwards in your resume you can omit the key responsibilities and just focus on accomplishments so in this person's case they had five or six or seven roles but and they have an, and they have a record of accomplishment in each one but they don't need to go into their key responsibilities and role that they had eight years ago. All they need to do is to is to cite a few bullets or a couple of bullets about accomplishment. But in their current role, they do want to explain what their what their key responsibilities are, and they probably want a longer and more comprehensive list of accomplishments. So think of it as an inverse pyramid. The current role is where you want the the the, the densest amount of information and with every role that you that you had going backwards, you want to whittle down like an inverse pyramid. You want it to funnel to just the, the most important uh, accomplishment-oriented details. So you don't need to present your key responsibilities for your first one or two or three jobs, just assuming you had seven or eight jobs total. You just want to go into the key accomplishments. So that way you can still present the accomplishments that you had eight years ago, but you don't have to go, you don't have to give it equal weight to your present role. That's awesome advice. Uh, I have a few more questions coming in. Um, so Alex, a uh, quick time check, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, are you able to, uh, you know, continue? Uh... I'm happy to, yep. Okay, awesome, thank you, Alex. Um, I, I know we have a very uh, engaging crowd here, so keep those questions coming. And Alex, you know, thank you for obliging to stay on. Um, my pleasure. We have a question uh, that says, you know, if, if my current job is not exactly the job I want, how do the how do I highlight uh, the skills that are relevant? For example, I have a computer science degree, but currently I'm in a uh, sales role or sales operations role, but I would like to be a software engineer. That that's a tricky question uh, because it probably requires a better understanding of that specific person's case and and how much actual software engineering experience they have. But I but to give you a simple answer, uh, you you want there are two things you could consider. One is uh, you could 
if you're going to be applying primary for, let's say, in this case, software engineering, or you want to extract as much relevant information, any connection to software engineering you have in your present role, you want to give, you want to, you want to raise that information to the surface. You want to, you want to give it as much prominence as possible and minimize the sales aspect of the role. But let's say you have no current software engineering experience, but you have had it in the past. So you may want to consider what's called a functional resume or skills-based resume. It's different than a reverse chrono chronological resume, which is really the focus of this workshop. But in, in rare cases, I would say in 10 to 15% of the cases of the clients that I deal with, particularly those that are switching career paths, let's say going from business development to, to, um, to a more technical role, or they're desiring to do that. Um, th it might be better to present your resume as a skills-based document, which really focuses on your core relevant skills in a more narrative, bulleted fashion, as opposed to going through your whole job chronology, job by job, so uh, and it leaves the employment history at the, to the very end. So th that's a very specialized resume form that we don't. It's kind of outside the scope of this particular webinar. But if you Google functional or skills-based resumes, you you'll see examples of those, and you'll see that uh, in job transitions, uh, those are often a good candidate uh, for how to format your experience. That's awesome. Um... So there was earlier in a question about uh, should you call out extracurricular activities like volunteering and hobbies and traveling? I know you're going to get to that, Alex, so I will hold off on that question. You do have a section on that. Uh, and then there is uh, there's a question from a mom. Uh, so what, you're, what if you're unramping back uh, to original career after raising children and have varied work, work experience? Uh, I'm not sure what the question was, but maybe you can give some uh, you know advice for the situation. I think I think that this person is basically talking about gaps in employment. So whether it's you had to raise kids, whether it was a gap because you had to take a personal leave for whatever reason, medical emergency, taking care of family members, whatever the case may be, if you have what you consider to be a significant gap, uh, then you are also a great candidate for a functional or skills-based resume because the, the beauty of a functional or skills-based resume, it's not, it's not the common format. It's still an acceptable format, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to get your skills and your accomplishments front and center in the resume as opposed to making the resume a reverse chronological list of jobs. So <clears throat> if you think about it, if 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 you haven't worked in five years because you've been raising kids, but when you were working, you had some great experience and you made some real impacts, you don't want you don't want to make the chronology of your work the the centerpiece. You want to make those actual skills and accomplishments the centerpiece. So if you have a section for your relevant skills, which are multiple bullets that explain your skills and your expertise, and then you have a section for select accomplishments that are drawn from earlier in your career where you literally bullet point them and only then do you have an employment history where you talk about the job you had the title the years by the time the reader gets to the employment history where they see that you haven't worked in five years um, they they will already be potentially interested because you've presented an interesting enough narrative in the, using the functional format and so I would highly recommend that format or that approach, a skills-based resume approach, 
to people who have significant gaps in employment. Plus, you can also address in your cover letter or introductory note that um, you've taken, be honest, be upfront about it. You've taken some time off to raise kids or for whatever reason, and now you're, you're itching to get back to the workforce and you have a lot to contribute. Interesting. So there's a follow on it says, what if it's not a gap, but I took jobs not in my career. I guess by that they mean they took jobs not central to their uh, work competency. Uh, similar to the answer I gave prior to the last question, I think if you are if 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 you have a series of jobs that are not necessarily in the trajectory that you want. Again, uh, a good example is you currently work in uh, in uh, tech sales, but you really want to be on the but you really want to be like a uh, a programmer or a software developer, right? But and you have experience to back that up, because your most recent jobs have been in sales. If you if you use a reverse chronological resume, the going to see your last couple of jobs or sales jobs, business development jobs. How is that relevant to programming? It's not necessarily directly relevant. So you're a good candidate for using the skills-based resume where you could literally dominate that relevant skills section, that core section that just describes your key skills and the following section that describes your key career accomplishments. You can dominate those sections with relevant past programming or software development experience so that by the time the reader gets to your job chronology after that, they are already intrigued by the skills you bring to the table. And then you can explain in your cover note that you've been on a you've you've been working in tech business development for the last few years, but now you really are itching to to um, uh, apply or harness your your significant software development skills back in that realm. And thank you, Alex. I will let you go back to your um, other sections. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, another key section is education, and I'll just breeze through this. Again, list all of your undergraduate and graduate degrees. Make sure it's in reverse chronological order. Your your most recent degree first. Do not put your high school uh, or secondary education on a resume. Uh, your your college degree is 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 the uh, earliest ex academic experience you should put. Make sure to highlight any academic honors you've had. If you have particularly high GPA or you graduated summa cum laude or you received some significant academic awards, definitely highlight that in the education section. And only showcase uh, extracurricular activities or study abroad or, or any other kind of academic projects if you're a recent grad. The more experience you have, the less important it is to know that you studied abroad for one year in Spain. Uh, it, you, but you should still showcase your academic honors if you've received any. But uh, but but you you want the education session to be an appropriate size relative to your place in on your career trajectory. So recent grads definitely showcase leadership activities on campus, organizations you were involved with, extracurriculars. Less recent grads don't need to do that. Uh, now, relevant skills. We talked about relevant skills. So, in terms of relevant skills, tech, any technology skills are relevant. If you're, particularly if you're on the technical side, like coding skills, your familiarity with specific databases or network structure, network architectures, cloud apps, etc., definitely want to put those in a in a skill in a technical skill section at the end of the resume. Also, if you know specific methodologies like Agile, Sprint Development, uh, uh, Lean Six Sigma, et cetera, 
also very important to put in your resume. But you should put those at the end in a technical skill section. Or if some of, like in the case of methodologies, if they're particularly relevant, you could put them higher up in a core competency section. And I'll show you all of this in a sample resume in a moment. Skills like foreign languages could be important uh, if you already have a relevant skill section and you speak certain languages fluently. Not a bad idea to put it in, can't hurt. And beware acronyms. I know that a lot of you, particularly those of you on the technical side, uh, use a lot of acronyms. Uh, and for you, that those acronyms are sort of a, a second nature. Uh, you know what they all mean. But keep in mind that unless you're certain that the audience that you are speaking to or applying to is going to be familiar with the same acronyms, uh, you may need to spell out what some of those things are, especially if you're using acronyms in the body of your uh, experience section. Uh, and don't make your resume so acronym heavy. Just try to avoid that trap if you can. So now some uh, important odds and ends. Uh, we talked a little bit already about addressing gaps in employment. If those gaps aren't significant, then don't worry about it. Like if you ended a job in 2012 and you started another job in 2014 and it's already 2020, I wouldn't worry about that in your chronological resume. But if you, uh, like the case of the, of, the, of the mom who is going back to the workforce who may, have, who may be out of the workforce for the last five or six years, then you should consider potentially a functional resume. Now, if you have uh, multiple back-to-back short-term stints of employment, that's also something that I think a lot of folks are concerned about. Um, if, if, if you had full-time jobs and you had to, you left those jobs after what you consider a relatively short amount of time, then I would consider maybe um, uh, trying to present those as consulting assignments if you, if you feel that that's legitimate. Um, Secondly, I would also consider uh, not using months on your resume. So, for example, if you were at a job from November of 2017 until August of 2018, just drop the months and just say 2017 to 2018. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing illegitimate about that. It's perfectly legitimate. And do you list role, multiple roles at the same company individually? Absolutely do. Absolutely. Unless you were doing something, unless you had back-to-back -back roles where you simply had a title change and maybe a slight increase in responsibility, but your core responsibilities were essentially the same, then you could sort of aggregate those two roles and list them in a unified fashion. But otherwise, if you had distinct roles, multiple distinct roles at the same company, absolutely list them individually and absolutely observe the logic of focusing in on your core responsibilities and your key accomplishments in each of those roles. Now, before we move on towards the end, we're almost, we're, we're, we're getting there. Uh, a word about keywords. Uh, keywording is, we talked a lot about it already, so uh, I don't want to go over ground that we've already covered, but I do want to reemphasize, stay away from excessive keywording. Don't load your resume with keywords just to make it friendly with applicant tracking systems. Your resume may be scanned. You don't know if it is or if it isn't. You don't know what the parameters of the scanning is. You don't know what those scanners are looking for. But if you look at the job descriptions uh, of the various roles that you're interested in and you see certain keywords uh, or key skills that they're looking for pop up over and over again, those are good candidates to put in your core competency section to cover the keywording. And if your resume is, re is well-written to begin with, it's going to be organically keyworded. If you're using language that pertains to the specific functional role you have, it's going to organically have the right words in it. 
So I'm going to pause here to see if there are any questions. Alex, uh, what I'll do is I'll take the rest of the questions towards the end because I know uh, many, yeah. So these are, so, I'm going to quickly breeze through the optional sections of a resume. Um, professional affiliations. Um, so these organizations like BITSA that have net, provide networking opportunities. If you have a leadership role in any organization, let's say you're a BITSA and uh, Srinivas, you're the chief content officer, that's something to potentially put in there, also listing your, your, um, uh, your role or your leadership role in the organization. Uh, the reason why these can be important, it shows dedication to your field, and there's a possible halo effect because if somebody you're sending the resume to is also a member of the same organization, let's say a fellow BITSA member, then, then, um, then that could be something that catches their eye. Uh, professional development is important too. So if you've taken coursework uh, that's particularly uh, relevant to your functional role, or if you have certain certifications, let's say you are uh, you have a, a Six Sigma certified, you're a black belt, or let's say you um, have a certain uh, coding certifications, etc. Um, it's it's really good to put those into a sp special professional development section or certification section just to demonstrate that you you have you have continued past your education to develop yourself in a professional vein that you've selected and, and you've continued taking coursework and maybe even gotten relevant certifications. Community service is also important. Uh, it's, it, it comes towards the end of the resume. It's not the main focal point of the resume, but if you are regularly volunteering somewhere, you have a commitment to a specific organization, it shows dedication to your community, it shows that you see life in a larger uh, uh, in a larger window than just your job. I think a lot of organizations respect that, especially if you have a leadership role in the in the organization that you volunteer for, a board membership or a committee role, then I think that's something you could consider adding as well. I'm not talking about one-off volunteering, like you volunteer once a year and do uh, um, MS Bikeathon. I'm talking about a regular routine continuing role as a volunteer at a or at a specific organization or organizations. Uh, also, if you have any kind of presentation you've done or publications that you've had that are relevant to your um, your area of expertise, that's something else that you can have on a resume as a separate section. I, I wouldn't just have a section for one publication or one presentation, but if you've done a number of public presentations to members of your professional community, or you've written a number of articles related to your expertise, that's definitely something to, um, to publicize. And finally, interests. Um, uh, I wouldn't just put uh, interest is, would be the very last thing you put on a resume only if you have space. And I wouldn't just put interests for the sake of putting interests. For example, I, I list here as, as an example, somebody whose interests include reading, hiking, and breathing. That's not really that interesting because everybody reads, everybody, so a lot of people hike, and everybody breathes. But if you have very specific interests that might be out of the ordinary, off the beaten path, like you've climbed all 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks, that could be something to put on there because it's a talking point. It's 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 a it's a it's a soundbite that might catch the reader's attention, but only if it's particularly interesting. Um, not very basic, like playing tennis or juggling or something that might be more pedestrian. So this is very important. LinkedIn. How is LinkedIn different? 
Like, should your LinkedIn profile be different than your resume? Not really. I want to demiss LinkedIn is a digital resume. LinkedIn has has certain sections that a resume doesn't have. Like you can upload media, you can upload project samples, you can solicit recommendations on LinkedIn. But there, but LinkedIn ultimately is structured like a resume. So if you have a well-written resume, if your resume content is solid, your LinkedIn profile should be an exact mirror of that content. There should be no difference in the content. Your summary should be in the about section, job by job. You should you should cut and paste your content essentially if resume content is solid but make linkedin count because linkedin is different by allowing you to have project samples or asking your peers for recommendations or your past supervisors so in cases like that it, you do, you do want to amplify your linkedin profile for example collect a bunch of recommendations there get get people to write a few sentences highlighting how great you are as a programmer or as a or as a tech salesperson and um and then you could put a hyperlink to linkedin on your resume and direct readers to a specific call to action such as reading your recommendations or seeing your work samples because if they're looking at your resume already they don't need to go to linkedin to see the same content but they do need to go to linkedin from your resume if they want to see a bunch of recommendations that you've had posted there now uh, some final no-nos to make sure that you're aware of proofread your resume top to bottom, make sure there are no errors in grammar or punctuation, um, make sure your, your font size isn't too small or there's, make sure your margins aren't too narrow, uh, make sure that you're, you're not using too many acronyms as we've talked about and the dreaded references available upon request, which is a throwback to the 1980s and, and prior, you don't need that. It's implicit that if you're asked for references, you'll provide them. Um, so here's an example. Uh, this kind of puts everything together. <clears throat> the actual resume that I created for um, for a senior level technology program manager, uh, and and this brings together all of the elements I'm talking about. I know the type is a little bit small, uh, but you could see that this resume has a solid summary section, which focuses on which focuses which focuses in on key accomplishments and a very, very limited number. It follows the elevator pitch rule that I described to you. You see that the resume has a hyperlink to your LinkedIn profile because the person has recommendations collected on LinkedIn and they want to direct the reader if the reader chooses to read those recommendations. You see the resume has a core competency section, which is the basket of keywords that we talked about. This can be customized depending on the uh, specific um, uh, functional skill sets or soft skill sets that the job you're applying to is calling for. And you see that the resume um, experience section is broken down very clearly between key responsibilities and, and key accomplishments. The paragraphs describe key responsibilities and the key accomplishments delineated so that it gives the reader very quick access. If the reader wants to zero in on what those key accomplishments are, they could just go to the key accomplishments section and not read anything else because the key accomplishments tell a much more compelling story than anything else. But there's a clear delineation. And as you could see, the resume flows and, and to the point that somebody made earlier, you could see that on the second page, and the person's earlier roles, we don't have key responsibilities anymore. We'll just go straight to the key accomplishments because that's all that's relevant. And then in the very early roles, 
uh, we don't even have any descriptions. We just want to show that this person started in 2005. This particular person has worked at the same, uh, at, worked at one particular company for 12 years. And then we have education. Now, uh, this person did, uh, we do list an activity that they had because they were captain of a division one women's swimming and diving team. That's something impressive. That's a talking point. So that's a rare case where you would actually list something like that. Uh, even though you've been, this person's been out of uh, college for 15 years and then their technical skills and their community service. So this person has um, some community service experience that they wanted to promote. Uh, and so that's how the resume ends. So this, re this example, this resume sample kind of ties it all together. And, um, and I just want to uh, end uh, my presentation by firstly apologizing that we've gone a little bit over. Um, and I'm going to take some more final questions in a moment. I do want to invite you to, uh, if you wish, to submit your own resumes, because I've been speaking generally about resumes, obviously I addressing some specific questions from the audience, but, but if you do want to submit your resume for a free customized evaluation, please feel free to go to our website at resumedeli.com. We offer a completely free evaluation service, there's zero obligation. We try to uh, pinpoint very specific things that your resume is doing right and maybe doing less effectively than it could. And, and if you do decide uh, that if there is a pretense to work with us on improving your resume and you do wish to, we're happy to offer Bits of Members a 10% discount on any of our services using the code that you see on the screen. But I do, I do encourage all of you to get the evaluation because there's absolutely no obligation at all to work to purchase our services, but it could give you some specific insights that are relevant to you and how to improve your resume. And uh, I do want to also thank you all for your time and attention this afternoon and for spending uh, a little bit over an hour with us on uh, going over resume building fundamentals. And I want to hand it off to Srinivas to see if there are any final questions. Now, there are just a couple of final ones. I think uh, they must have received the answers in that last piece of commentary. So the question, uh, resume length should be strictly one page, two accept is two page acceptable? I think the answer is yes. We have seen the sample that from Alex that showed uh, two, uh, two pages. Two pages uh, is, is acceptable if you are, are have, if you're not a recent grad. Recent grads should really try to restrict themselves to one page. Uh, but if you have more than, certainly more than 10 years experience, going to a second page uh, isn't a big deal. And then there's a question, where do you put your LinkedIn URL? I may have seen uh, in that sample, Alex, you may have put it just right under the summary section. Here, where my cursor is, if you could see my cursor. Okay, so that's uh, right after your summary section, I guess, right? Now, I put it as a call to action. To, uh, I, I think it's very important not just to list your LinkedIn URL, but to provide the reader with, with a specific call to action. The call to action here is, click here to see my resume, to see my professional recommendations. The, you're not even mentioning that they're being taken to LinkedIn, but if you're just putting your LinkedIn URL and I'm already looking at your resume, why would I go to your LinkedIn profile? What, what am I going to see there that's, that's different from your resume? Unless you tell me that I'm clicking here to see your recommendations. Got it. Uh, there's somebody that uh, asks, if I transferred schools with two different majors uh, and only the last one is relevant, uh, should I include both? No, just include the school you graduated from, especially if it's got the relevant major. Got it. Uh, th there's a question about functional resumes. Yeah, you advise functional ones when there are gaps or when people want to do stuff outside their core. 
existing jobs. The question was, do functional resumes make it to applicant tracking systems? Absolutely. They're, 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 they're scanned the same way that any resume would be scanned. Uh, it's just, it's it, the, the keywords are picked up regardless. And the functional resume could still have a core competency section. It has, it has an employment history. It has technical skill section, education section, has all the other sections. It's just structured a little bit differently. I know my workshop didn't focus that, that, that could be the topic of a whole separate workshop. But if you do Google resumes, um, then um, you'll see some examples. They're not necessarily great examples, but also if you submit your resume to us for an evaluation and you provide a little background on your on 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 yourself, then I, I would certainly tell you if you're a good candidate for a functional resume or not. And I think there's just one or two left. Um, where can patents and industry contributions go? I think you answered that one, uh, Alex. You if you have a number of patents, you could you could have a separate section at the end, uh, towards the end, which would be below your education section. It would be it would be around it would be clustered with with professional affiliations and technical skills. It would be sort of in that bottom quadrant of the resume. Uh, you you certainly should put any patents that you hold, and and if you hold a number of patents, that could also be a selling point that you put in your summary. Got it. And this last one, which we postponed, was uh, calling out extracurricular activities like volunteering or interesting hobbies like traveling. I think you answered that one. Volunteering, yeah. you do want this volunteering, but hobbies only if they absolutely stand out. Like Correct. you said, climbed uh, an entire range of mountains. I don't know uh, what the example you gave. Well, for example, travel just traveling, not interesting. But if you've traveled to over 50 countries and lived in seven of them, that's interesting. Um, so that's all I have. Uh, you know, we had a very engaged audience. Uh, thanks for all those questions. And uh, most importantly, Alex, thank you for taking the time on a Sunday afternoon to come give us wonderful insights into how to make resume stand out. And uh, thank you for being uh, gracious and generous to offer uh, you know, that 10% for the Bitsa community with the Bitsa keyword. And um, for those of you uh, that heard Alex's offer, they, uh, he offers free resume evaluation at uh, resumedaily.com. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. All right. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.